Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, I get the honor of preaching to you today, and it truly is an honor, and I'm blessed, and I'm glad that I get to do that. Um, I get to do this. But before we get going, I just want to address this microphone. I want to know what you guys think about this little ball here. Like, is it a good look or a bad look? I'll tell you, when I put it on, I feel like I have friends in low places. I feel a little toxic. I mean, I, that was a Britney Spears and a Garth Brooks joke in one. You're welcome. But <laughs> now that we've addressed that, um, we can move on. <laughs> Uh, today, I have a question for everybody in the room. It's not a hard one. It's, it's a very easy question. And the question is, has anybody ever, uh, anybody in here ever been mistaken for somebody else? Have you ever been? Go ahead, raise your hand if you've been mistaken for anybody else. Okay, yes. Great. Um, uh, like, like you're walking down the street or you're maybe in the grocery store, maybe a high V or, or something like that, and somebody runs up to you or comes up to you. Maybe they don't run because that would be scary. But maybe they just come up to you and they're like, hey, you are so-and-so. And you're like, no, that's not me. I'm sorry. You know, it's like, man, you look just like this person or you sound just like this person. You have got to be that person. Um, and maybe that's never happened to you, but maybe... Maybe you have done that to somebody else. Anybody ever done that to somebody else? Go up to them and be like, hey, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I have done that as well to somebody. And I actually did it uh, a while ago here in this church. So I'll tell you this story. Downstairs, I was, I was teaching in children's church downstairs. And um, this family walks in. And in particular, this one girl walked in, Abby, Abby Ely. Where are you at? You're trying to hide there. She, she's like, don't make me stand up. So I'm not going to make you stand up, but she's right there. She's up in the balcony. Hi, Abby. Uh, she walks in to the children's church. And actually, I'm mistaken her so bad that I, I could have I injured her. Now, now, don't get mad. Let me, let me explain what happened. I don't even know if you remember this or not. But she walks in. I think this was like when her family first started coming to church here too. So makes it even worse. But she walks in to the children's church, and I'm letting all the students go to their parents and uh, siblings or whoever's coming to pick up their kids. And she walks in, and I thought that she was a former youth that used to come here. And I yell at this former youth name, and I, I just happened to have a dodgeball in my hand. I don't know why, but as a children's pastor, youth pastor, you, you find yourself with dodgeballs and laying around all the time, so you might as well throw them, right? I mean, what else are you going to do with them? But she walks in, and I say, hey, it's, and I yell out the former youth girl's name, and I just chuck the ball right at her as hard as I can, you know? Um, don't worry. If you see me play softball, it's not very hard. But I, I throw the ball at her, and instantly I knew right when I threw that ball, I was like, nope, that is not the former youth girl. That is somebody I have no idea who it is. But the ball went whoosh, right past her face and hit the wall. And I was, I was really thankful that the Lord protected me in that. And I didn't just hit a new family's girl come down to the to the church. Do you remember that at all? No? Good. Good. So, because it scared me really bad. Because right when I was like, oh no, I have just made a bad mistake right there. But that was one time that I mistake somebody else. I'm sorry, by the way. I never apologize, but I'm sorry, okay? Um, Jared will give you $20 for me mentioning your name. Uh, <laughs> it's not my rule, so I don't... <laughs> but 
Not only have I mistaken somebody, I have been mistaken for somebody. And instead of me just telling you this, I want to show you. So I need my good friend, Pastor Jared. Come on up here, Pastor Jared. Uh, Yeah, come on up here with me. Let's just stand here. Uh, We've already been, today, we were walking together and somebody yells out, twins! I'm like, no, dang it! We are not twins. I want to, uh, I just want everybody to get a look. How many has ever mistaken one of us for the other? Anybody in the room, go ahead and raise your hand. Our wives, raise our hands. I see that hand, praise the Lord. See that hand, praise the Lord. All right, but I just want to let you know this handsome gentleman right here. He's very handsome, good looking. I mean, I'm not, this is Pastor Jared, and I am Pastor Donnie, okay? I have, I have many of stories. You want to stay here the whole time? Uh, okay, you go ahead. Let's, let's give it up for Pastor Jared. I just want you to know, this is him. So I just want, everybody got that now, okay? He's a little bit shorter than I am. We're both handsome, so I can't really say anything about the looks, but I hope everybody online sees that. Um, but I do have many stories where, you know, we have been mistaken. Uh, one of the stories is I, I've had numerous times his kids run up to me and be like, Dad, Dad, can we, oh, wait. <laughs> They hang their head and they leave. And I know that um, my kids have ran up to him and be like, hey, dad, dad, nope, it's not us. You know, so they, they walk around, they walk out and stuff like that. Um, I know when Pastor Jared first got here like 10 years ago, uh, again, I was doing children's ministry, so I was down, downstairs doing children's ministry, and he would walk down there for whatever reason, whatever he had to do, probably fixing my microphone or something like that, I don't know. But he walked down there, and all the kids would just give him a hug, and Pastor Donnie, Pastor Donnie, and he has said this before, that at first he was like, no, I'm Pastor Jared, but then he was like, why would I shrug off love? Like, these kids love, I'm great, yeah, hi, I'm Pastor Donnie, you know? <laughs> so, hey, that's all right, it's cool. Um, there's been multiple times where I have been at the Warren County Fair, and people come up to me and say, hey, how is Devin doing? And I'm like, mm, sorry, Devin's not my wife. Uh, Devin is Jared's wife. Megan is mine. So just so everybody knows here and online, my wife is Megan, Jared's is Devin. So uh, that's happened many times. Um, I actually remember here in church sometime, somebody came up to me after church and gave me a whole word from the Lord. It was awesome. I was like, oh, this is great. And then they're like, after they're done with the word, they're like, oh, so you're from South Dakota, right? And I was like, mm, no, I'm from Illinois. You're thinking of Pastor Jared. And they're just like, oh, okay. And they just walked off. And I was like, wait a second. Is the word for me? Or is it for Pastor Jared? Or what, what do I do? Yeah, I'll just take it anyway. So I just took it. It was mine. I mean, the Lord didn't make mistakes. She did. So it's, it's all right. <laughs> I know uh, Megan has gotten texts like, why is your husband dropping kids off at uh, Wilder? Uh, That's an elementary school here in town, and my kids don't go there. They go to Emerson. So, of course, they're thinking that I am Pastor Jared. I think one of the best times that I remember getting mistaken for Jared was, again, when he first got here. Um, I was actually in Ankeny. I wasn't even around here. I was in Ankeny, and I was at a basketball, a youth basketball game, and somebody came up to me, and they were like, hey, do you have a twin brother? running around the church. I'm like, mm, no, no, my brother really doesn't look anything like me. So it, it definitely is not my twin brother. He's like, no, no, yeah, he's just shorter, has shaved head, bald, just like you, beard, just like you. And it just clicked in my head that, nope, it wasn't my brother. It was Pastor Jared. But we were all the way in Ankeny when that happened. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting that people put that together. The weirdest time and I'm almost done telling stories about how we look alike and 
people mistaken us, but the weirdest time was just not too long ago, I was looking through some pictures, and I saw this picture, and I was like, why in the world is Jared reading a book to my kid on her bed? What is going on? And I was like, that's me. <laughs> it's me. I was reading the book, not Jared. I mistaken myself, <laughs> or Pastor Jared for myself. Uh, so, just, just so we all know, again, uh, Pastor Jared, shorter than me. Pastor Jared's from South Dakota. I'm from Illinois. His wife's name is Devin. She sings. My wife's name is Megan. She works in the nursery. She doesn't sing. Sometimes she sings, but <laughs> not a lot. Um, <clears throat> so I ho- uh, look-wise, again, like I said, we are both beautiful. So uh, you don't have to worry about that, all right? Um, but maybe you have been mistaken for somebody else, or you, you might have many features that just look like another person. Maybe it's in the way you move, or the way you talk, or even how you act sometimes that remind people of somebody else. But today, I want you guys to walk out of here knowing basically one point, one thing when you walk out that you can just say, and that's you were created by God, and you are his masterpiece. His unique creation. That's why I want you to know through the whole sermon today, uh, I want you to remember that you are God's masterpiece, his unique creation. I want all of us to realize that God did not make a mistake when he created anybody in this room or online. He did not make a mistake, and you shouldn't let what other people think or say of you define who you are because God already has done that. All right? Uh, and God has defined you as his masterpiece, all right? And how do I know this? I know this because of what Ephesians 2.10 says, and this is out of the New Living Translation. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. What does that mean? What what is a masterpiece? Uh, What does that mean, maybe you're asking yourself? Well, dictionary.com defines masterpiece as a person's greatest piece of work. Masterpiece is greatest, great, uh, as a person's greatest piece of work. It also says a masterpiece is anything done with masterly skill. So let's that, let, let, let that just sink in for a little while. That God calls all of us in this place, and anybody listening online, his masterpiece. You are his greatest piece of work. I just, want to, I just want to remember that, okay? Uh, and let that sink in that you are his greatest piece of work. He's created you with masterly skill. I think a great example of somebody who can, we can look at in the Bible who understands this is King David. All right, so we're going to look at a part of King David's life. We're going to learn so much through, through looking at uh, when King David was anointed to be king. So he wasn't king yet. We can find this account of David's life in 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. And I just want to encourage you, we're not going to read it uh, right now, but I want you all to go home and read this account, all right? Because there's a lot of stuff that goes into this that uh, we just don't have time to, to go through. So go home, read 1 Samuel 16, but we're going to talk about 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. And uh, what's happening here is God has just told Samuel that he needs to go to Bethlehem. He needs to get Jesse, and Jesse is David's dad. You need to get Jesse. And then Samuel has to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the next king. So, uh, and again, there's a lot of instruction in there that we're not getting into, but Samuel obeys all the instructions, all that God has told him to do. Samuel says, okay, 
I will do that. So Samuel obeys instructions for how he's supposed to set things up and how he's, how he's to get Jesse and all of his sons to where they need to be. As soon as everything is set up, Jesse starts bringing in uh, his sons to Samuel. And first, Jesse brings in one of his sons named Eliab. And Samuel sees Eliab, and uh, he looks at him, and he says, Surely God, God's anointed is here. One of these guys is going to be the next king. And Samuel looks at the Eliab, and he's like, wow, look at this guy. He's so good-looking. He, he's got good facially. He's strong. He's smart. He's all these things that you would think would be good check marks for to be king. But God says, nope, that's not the next king. Eliab is not it. And um, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord chimes in, and he says, But the Lord says to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but I, the Lord, looks at the heart. So Samuel gets the point and is like, nope, Eliab is not the guy. Jesse brings in another son, and then another son. And eventually Jesse brings in seven of his sons to pass by Samuel. And the Lord tells Samuel that none of these guys are the next king. None of them are going to do what God needs the next king to do. So none of them are it. In 1 Samuel 17, 11, Samuel turns to Jesse and asks him, are these all the sons you have? There is still, there's still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending sheep, Samuel said. Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So there is another son. He wasn't invited. He was basically doing, doing the grunt work. He was out dealing with the sheep, but they send for him because uh, uh, Samuel says so. Then finally, uh, David who, who wasn't invited in the first place. And when he walks in the room, the Lord uh, sees him, and he's like, that's the one. He is the one I appointed to be the next king. Samuel, you need to anoint him at once. Do it right now. Samuel then anointed David in front of all his brothers and his father. And I love the part, uh, this part of the, of the passage because it ends with, Samuel then went to Ramah. So he anoints David and then leaves. There's no further instructions. There's nothing. He just anointed David and then left. It didn't say Samuel gave David a whole bunch of instructions. It didn't say David could then just go and be king, take over for Saul. It didn't say any of that stuff. And actually what David did after he was anointed was David ended up going back and tending sheep. He went back to work. He didn't get to go and be king yet. He had to go back and do the dirty work. He had to go back to the sheep. I feel like after reading that and thinking about it, that honestly, if there's anybody that should have the right not to feel like God's masterpiece, that David would have that right. But I think David knew a few things, and there are a few things we can apply to our lives today to help us remember that it doesn't matter where we start. What matters is that God, uh, that, that, that we were created by God, and he thinks we are his masterpiece. That God's greatest piece of work is you and me. So this morning as we look at Ephesians 2.10, and we're going to look at that scripture quite a bit today, uh, and when, uh, we're going to look at that, and David, when he was anointed king, we need to remember a few things. The first thing we can remember is that you are created an original. So if you're taking notes or anything like that, that's the first point. You are created an original. There's nobody out there like you. What gives painting a value? What gives paintings a worth? What makes a painting an original? 
So there's nothing else like it out there. It's a one-of-a-kind piece of work. And it was created by a talented and great artist. And that's who God is. And it's what God is saying about you today. He's saying that you are an original and there is nobody out there like you. You are set apart. In fact, our main scripture, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. When we are in Christ, we are new. We are not who we used to be. We are not what others say we are. We are anew, and we are set apart from this world. I love how 1 Peter 2.9, uh, the, the description that we get from God, it says, But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare praises uh, of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God has created you, his masterpiece, to declare praises to him. He says, not only are you his masterpiece, but you are chosen, you are royal, you are his special possession. I love those words. I love that God says that about me. I love that God says that about you. We need to take that in. We need to apply that to our lives. We need to remind ourselves about that on a daily basis because there's so much that this world can throw at us. There's so much that this world can put on us that's not true. This is true. He has made you an amazing masterpiece, called you to be different and set you apart than everybody else. Again, if there was anybody who could, who, who, who could say, God didn't create anything special when he made me. I think David could have said that. David could have really had a case to build that, like, I'm not special. I am not a masterpiece. When Samuel came to anoint one of Jesse's boys, nobody even went and got David. He wasn't even invited to try out. His own family didn't even say, he's worth a shot. No, they just left him out there. They said, let's just forget about him. There's no way that he is the one that God is going to anoint. It has to be these other people. How bad would that mess with your mind or your heart if your own dad was like, don't bother getting David. There isn't anything special about him. Samuel for sure, will for sure anoint one of my other boys. But when God was like, none of these boys is the one I want to anoint, Samuel had to ask, is there another one? And guess who struts in? David. David gets to walk in, and he is exactly the person God has in mind to be the next king. Yes, a lowly shepherd boy. God looks at him and says, that's it. That is my masterpiece. There is my royal priesthood. There is the one who I have set apart to do great things for me. I choose that original masterpiece, and Samuel anointed David. Can I just encourage you this morning and let you know that you are an original masterpiece? When others may overlook you, not invite you to be part, stick you out in the, with the animals and leave you out there and forget about you, you remember this. Even if you forget everything else today, remember this, that you are a priceless masterpiece created by the best artist ever, and he is not and will never forget about you. I just want to pause there and let you let that sink in a little bit. Because that, that, that is something that I think we easily forget about. When others forget about you, when others leave you, when others, you know, th this world is, <laughs> this world has that a lot. People leave people all the time. 
But God, never. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He loves you. You are his masterpiece. You are his chosen possession. In fact, Psalms 139, 13 through 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. When God created you, he didn't make a mistake. He didn't say, well, mm, oh, well, good enough. I did my best. Let's move on. Let's, let's just get to the next person. It's fine. No, Scripture says when God created you, he knit you together. He was proud, and he knew what he created was a masterpiece. He took time. He didn't rush through it. He created you his masterpiece, a, master, a masterpiece that was fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. You are an original masterpiece, and God thinks you are worth a lot. So don't sell yourself short because God hasn't. And he has great and amazing things in store for you. That brings me to, to the next thing for us to remember today. First thing to remember, God created you an original. Next thing to remember is that God has a plan for you. Now, if God has a plan for you, then Satan probably has a counterfeit for that. He does have a counterfeit for that. Satan would love for, for you and everybody to think that you don't have a purpose, that you are just here on earth to wander around for a little while uh, without a purpose, suck some air, and then later on die. You know? Breathe. Sorry. <laughs> Satan wants to steal your joy and your reason to live. But the good thing about reading the Word of God is we know Satan's game. We know that he's a liar. The Bible calls him the father of lies. In John 8, 4, 4, it says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you, want, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. This is the part where it says, When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. When Satan comes in and starts spreading those lies to you that, that, that you don't have a purpose, that God doesn't have a plan for you, that's where we remember Ephesians 2.10. How it says that you are God's masterpiece. He has created you, us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. He has a plan for us. He made one long ago, and he's got a plan for you, for your life. Don't let Satan lie to you. Don't let him spread those lies uh, in, in your mind and let that go in. When we can't let circumstances, people, Satan, or anything knock us off of the plan that Jesus has for us, for each and every one of you. What would happen if Satan used David's, uh, what, what would happen if Satan used David's circumstances to detour David's life? Just think a moment uh, about David and, and how David was picked last to go stand in front of Samuel to be anointed. Family didn't want him. Family didn't invite him. They didn't think he was worthy enough. And when he finally uh, is anointed king, David didn't even get the position right away. He didn't even get the position. He finally gets anointed. He finally makes it to Samuel. He finally makes it in front of him. God anoints him. Yeah, Samuel anoints him. And then he doesn't even get to be king right there. God gave him a glimpse of his plan, but then David had to go back and be a shepherd. I wonder how many in this room, if they were in David's position, would just give up. They'd be like... I waited that long. I did all this stuff. God anointed me. Now I'm not even going to be a king. Forget it. I'm just going to stay a shepherd. 
I'm just going to keep doing this. But David didn't do that. And because David stayed with God's plan and didn't let discouragement or Satan's lies overtake him, he did get promoted to king. Where everybody else saw a shepherd, God saw a king. I wonder what God sees in you. I know his word says he has a plan for your life. From the day you were born, God has been forming you. Jeremiah, you guys think I'm going to say Jeremiah 29, 11, don't you? I'm not. <laughs> Jeremiah 1, 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were, were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is when God was calling Jeremiah to be prophet to the nations. I believe God <clears throat> has done the same thing for us that he did for Jeremiah. God formed you. He knew you. He set you apart, and he has appointed you to do great things. And just like he had a plan for David, just like he had a plan for Jeremiah, he has a plan for you. You cannot let your circumstances, you cannot let Satan's counterfeit lies come into your mind and deter you from the plan that God has for your life. Because you are God's masterpiece. And he 100% has a plan for your life. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't just be satisfied. Let's keep growing, keep going, keep going after that plan that God has set out for you. Now there's one more part to this puzzle of being God's masterpiece that we need to remember. Hopefully by now you understand that you are God's masterpiece, that you are an original to God, and that he has a plan for your life. The next thing we need to remember is now that that's not where it stops. That's not where everything is told. Okay, I'm, I'm an original. I'm a masterpiece. He has a plan for me. Now, God, do what you need to do. You know, that's not it. There's another part to this puzzle that we have to do, and that is God has called you, called all of us, to action. It's time to start moving. Let's read Ephesians 2.10 one more time. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he has planned for us long ago. I want us to look at that again because I have, I have been reading this scripture and meditating on it and thinking about it, and there's something that stood out to me. One of the things that really stood out to me is how God is using the scripture not only to remind us that, that we are original, that he has a plan, but he is calling us to action. He's calling us to move. Let me explain this. I'll explain it to you. Uh, what I mean by that is um, through this and thinking about this, it started making me think about my, my running a little bit. And from November of 2019 to November of 2020, I ran three half marathons. And I had to train for those. And I did a lot of running and I did a lot of planning and I had some people to help me along the way. I think I have a couple pictures. Uh, Devin was supposed to actually run. This is the hillbilly hike and Devin was gonna run it with me. She hurt her foot, but she came along and that was like mile nine and I was ready to just be done. And she came up and <laughs> ran in her winter gear and it, it, it's encouraging. So that was one of them. Uh, that was this year or 2020's hillbilly hike. And then uh, Dylan and I ran uh, St. Patrick's Day one in June. <laughs> it was hot, you know, but uh, I did I did a lot of training for that, and um, it, it was a lot of work, and I, I love it, and I, I still love to run, but now, like, after that 2020 hillbilly hike run, let's fast forward to today, 
And um, I see some of you smirking. Uh, <laughs> as you can see, after that, that last hillbilly hike, um, I, I kind of just stopped running. I, I ran like four times since November. And um, if you've been around me these last few months, you've heard me say, man, I'm going to start running again. I'm, I need to start running again. I don't know how many times I've told Pastor Jared that, like, I'm going to start running again today, you know, or I'm going to run. I, I make these plans. I even have a good narrative in my mind. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a plan. Uh, this is the day I'm going to start. I'm going to keep going, da 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 And um, <clears throat> none of it happened. <laughs> none of it happened. I didn't move. Just because I made the plan, just because I said what I was going to do, didn't actually do anything. I didn't even move at all. And because of that, uh, when I did start running this weekend, and I did start running, okay, Berkeley? All right. <laughs> uh, I did start running. Um, it, two miles was difficult, but I did it. And I got out of there, and I had to put action to my plan. And because of that, uh, I, I, I've been running, I've been doing it, but we have to put feet to the pavement. We got to move this. Uh, thing along. All of that to say a key verse in Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that we must have action. God has called everybody. God has laid out a plan. He has good things in store for us, but it's time that we stop just talking about God's plan. It's time that we stop just sitting around thinking about God's plan, and it's time that we put feet on the pavement and we start walking his plan out. I think a lot of the time, we, we view Christianity, we view God's plan, and we view um, what he has for us as my running. <laughs> like, I want to run. I'm going to do a marathon. I'm going to do this. And I don't do anything. I just like, it's going to happen, which it won't, by the way. But we do that a lot with God. We say, okay, God, you have a plan. You called me to be original. You set me apart. You've done all this. And then we just wait for him to do everything else. He's already done it. He's already done everything. It's our turn to put uh, feet to the pavement and start uh, working out the plan that he has set for us. The Bible is full of believers that completed the good works that God had planned for them. But I just want to take a minute and think about the what-ifs. Everybody just think about the what-ifs. What if Peter never moved and preached to the crowd on the day of Pentecost? What would have happened Maybe the 3,000 that were added uh, to the number that day would have never got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe the first church would have never been, never been. What if, what if Paul wouldn't have moved when God blinded him on the road to Damascus? What if he didn't follow through on his good works that God had planned for him? This guy wrote half of the New Testament. A lot of people came to know the Lord through him. Maybe none of that would have happened. What if... David would have never showed up to be anointed. What if David was just like, nah, I'm good. I'm fine here with the sheep. You know, I got a steady job. I make decent money. Uh, all in all, it's pretty easy. I think I could just stay here. What if that would have happened? What if after he was anointed king, that he wouldn't have gone to serve Saul, the man he was going to replace? I mean, just think about that for a moment. What if he wouldn't have done that? Think about who's in the lineage of David. Jesus is in the lineage of David. What, what if David wouldn't have moved? What if you guys wouldn't have put into action the plan and the purpose that God had for them? Now, of course, we don't have to play those scenarios out. 
We all know that God is bigger than, than any what if. So don't, don't, don't get me wrong there. We know that God is bigger than that. And I thank God that David didn't have that attitude. We actually can see how David responded to all of this. 1 Samuel 16, 19 through 21 says, Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them to his son David, to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. When David was finally called to get going on the plan that God had for his life, he wasn't thrown directly into being king. But instead, God called him to start by first being a servant. David didn't get to start at the finish line. David had to start right where God put him, and he had to move out of obedience to God. He didn't whine and cry about it. David just listened and obeyed God, and he moved. He put action to the plan that God set out. He said, God, God has called me to this place. He put me here, and I know I am an original. I know he thought his plan out. I'm just going to listen. So my job is to put into action and start, start moving where I'm at, where God has placed me. And I, because, and I believe because David did that, God honored David, and he promoted him time and time and time again. He was with the sheep. He gets anointed. He gets to go to Saul. He's, he starts off by playing harp for Saul to get rid of the evil, evil spirits that were around Saul. He gets promoted to the armor bearer and so on and so forth. And then he's king. He moved. He kept moving. He didn't stop. He didn't let his circumstances hold him back. He didn't let what people thought of him uh, about him hold him back. He kept moving and he kept listening to God as he was doing it. That's why I love our main scripture so much this morning. I love when it says, so we can do. So we can do implies that we are moving, that we are doing. You are God's masterpiece that he has created to be an original, set apart, and the last part is so we can do. So you can do. My main point that I hope you walk out of here with today again is that you were created by God as a masterpiece. He did not make a mistake when he was forming you. There's nobody else in the world like you. Yes, you might look or talk or walk or sound like somebody, but that does not mean that God messed up. God created me. He knit me together. And just because I might look like Pastor Jared or Jared, Pastor Jared might look like me, that didn't mean that God messed up and created a duplicate. <laughs> we uh, both are, are masterpieces in God's eyes. You are God's masterpiece. <clears throat> we are his original and he has a plan for your life for my life now it's time that we start walking in that and growing in christ this is the same for you you're god's masterpiece and original he has a plan for your life and i'm here to tell you this morning that it's time to start moving and doing the good things that god has planned for you I want to remind you of something that, that you should carry around with you all the time. And it was said to me, and I, I remember it all the time, but it's that God has a plan for your life and nobody can, fill, can fulfill that plan better than you. So that means that you have to give those insecurities to God. Whatever insecurity you have about where God is calling you, give, give those to God. Let him take care of that. 
because he has a plan for your life and nobody in this room and nobody in this world can fulfill that plan better than you. So let God speak that over your life tonight. And this is how I want to end this morning message. We're going to end in a little bit of a different way. Um, we're all going to dance. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody gets nervous. I know that. I get, oh no, what are we going to do? I'm just kidding. Let's all stand up. We're just going to stand up and we are going to repeat Ephesians 2.10, but I changed a couple words. I didn't change the Bible. Don't worry. I just want to make it more personal for you, okay? Do we have that on the screen, Daniel? Uh, you can repeat after me, uh, say, and we're going to say, for I am God's masterpiece. For I am God's masterpiece. He, has he has created me anew in Christ, anew in Christ. So, I so I can do the good things he planned for me long ago. Now, take a picture of that. Remember that. Whatever you got to do. You guys want to do it again one more time just so it sinks into your heart and your head and you don't forget it? All right, let's go one more time. It says, for I am a God's masterpiece. For I am God's masterpiece. He has created me anew, has created me anew. In, Christ in Christ Jesus so I can do the good things, so the good things. he planned for me long ago. Amen. Carry that along with you throughout the whole week when you're feeling discouraged, when you feel like there's no plan, when you feel like you're just not a masterpiece, you're not an original, carry that with you. All right? We love you guys. Have an awesome week. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.